It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Take Talk Podcast. I'm Stephen O'Rourke, and today... Filling in for Brett Whitefield is our honored guest, frequent appearance, and my one of our good friends, Chris Wecht. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. We are a week o- less than a week away from draft night. I'm. Uh, it's getting closer. Getting excited. It's uh, one of the best days, we- weekends, really, of the year from football. I know. I know. I feel like it really, like all. It felt like it was so far away, and then all of a sudden, like. These last two weeks have flown by, and here we are. It's yeah, like you said, six days away. I know. I'm ready. I've, I'm uh, I'm getting a little tired of all the different, you know, all the to- like. I'm ready to stop talking about all the prospects and just find out where they're going. The mock drafts are getting more interesting as we get closer. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to first just start. The draft fatigue. Yeah, the draft fatigue is hitting hard. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're just, it's just like droning on about the same points and people yeah. reaching. And now you're even starting to get some of the guys that are, you know, like just you're pushing narratives about different guys that it's like, all right, like yes. clearly we all know what this is, what you're trying to do here. Like, why is it like, you know, that, why is it coming out like right now when we've had X amount of months to find this information out? Yeah, exactly. But before we jump into that, you as the resident Philadelphia Eagles fan, super fan, however you want to call it, we did have big news in a couple different areas. And the first one was the Jalen Hurts signing. Yeah, so yeah, five years, $255 million with a hun- almost 180000 guaranteed. It's a, it's a big deal. But uh, it seems like it's not a terrible deal for the Eagles in the grand scheme of things. I mean, they get it done before Joe Burrow, before Justin Herbert, before whatever ends up happening with Lamar Jackson happens. I, I mean, they're each. I wouldn't be surprised if not all three, at least two of those guys are going to beat Hurts' contract because that's just how quarterback contracts work. The next guy is always higher paid than the previous guy. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not upset with it. The uh, the cap hits are extremely interesting for how it starts. We don't we don't know all the details yet. So in 2023, it's just six million, which is just a holdover from his rookie deal. But then in 2024, 13 million, 2025, 21 million, 2026, 31 million. None of those numbers are like backbreaking for right. building a roster. Like they'll still be able to have a good team around him. I don't know what happens in 2027 and 2028, but that's that's future Chris's problem. That's right, that's right. Not a <laughs> From what I understand, it's not like or what I've heard, like inklings of, is that they might be able to get out of it like semi easily after that. I'm sure there will be some kind of restructure when they come to, when they get to that point, or you know, like you said, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I expect Hurts to still be the QB of the Eagles and them, them want to him to be the QB. So I'm, I'm not thinking they're cutting him or anything. Right. But yeah, right. I'm assuming there'll be some kind of restructure or something that'll spread. Cause I did see a tweet. Uh, I forget who it was from. I think it was Nick Corte who does a lot of the comp pick stuff uh, and whatnot. He, uh, he was estimating if, if we know these cap numbers, it could be something like 70, $80 million cap hits in 2027, 2028, which would be massive. Right. So, do not expect that num- those numbers to hold, but yeah, good for. I mean, Howie continues to work his salary cap magic. Hurts uh, gets to be the highest paid quarterback for a little bit. We'll see how long. And uh, he also got a no trade clause, which is a little bit unusual for. I mean, we're starting to see it a little bit more, but definitely right. not something common. Um, I wonder if like the Wentz whole how like Wentz getting traded and whatnot if that mattered to them at all, but. Also, the Eagles were pretty like willing to work with Wentz when they did end up trading him to the Colts. So, like, I don't, I don't think yeah. that was like a, I don't think the Eagles were like, no, we don't, we don't want to give this out. I'm, I'm sure they were willing to work that in if it was really important to Hertz, Hertz and his representatives. And I mean, overall, what a 
come up for Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you had said a year and a half ago that he would sign the biggest contract in the in NFL history, I mean, I, I feel like nobody would have taken that. Everybody would have taken that bet against you. No, the the Eagles were in the market for Russell Wilson last year. They were in the market for Aaron Rodgers. Briefly uh, went back when he talked. His trade talks were circling around. But yeah, they there is a world where Russell Wilson is the QB of the Eagles, and it was not far like that far from happening. Um, and I, I mean, I didn't expect Hurts to take the leap that he took. I mean, I I thought he had issues and. I wasn't saying that he couldn't get better, but I he definitely was. I was definitely not sold that he was going to get better. Yeah, and I, like Brett's referenced it a few times on the podcast, but he's a guy that every single year you've seen improvement in some aspect of his game. And I mean, obviously, kudos to Howie Roseman, kudos to the Eagles for putting him in the best position to succeed. I mean, he has an absolute super team around him almost it feels like on offense like he's got he's littered with weapons the offensive line is fantastic and then even now after signing they still have two first round draft picks this year yep yeah they, so like yeah, just they, a lot of places to maneuver and a lot of ways to surround your surround their quarterback with talent to you know make this team go and not be completely reliant on him yeah they they you know they gave him everything that he could need to succeed. They said that we're going to find out what you have in you. And, you know, he showed them he has a lot in him. He, you know, he would have been Super Bowl MVP had they won that game uh, in February. And, yeah, like this is what other teams need to follow, this blueprint. This is what the Bears need to do with Justin Fields. This is what the Chargers should do with Herbert. Like you got to surround your like who cares it you know not everyone basically nobody is going to be patrick mahomes no right. one's going to win a super bowl with mvs and Kadarius tony as your leading receive you know wide receivers right right just because hurts needed aj brown to take another leap and Devonte smith to be better and dallas goddard and you know and a and a good strong run game like that sh- that should be you know the requirement for teams to provide their qb you shouldn't be expecting your qb to be mahomes or brady or whoever, you know, Rogers, these guys that are just the Uber elites. If you can, if they can give you what we saw from Hertz this past year with you putting talent around them, I'd say it's, you know, worth keeping those guys around. Yeah. Just because you have a superstar quarterback, a, you know, high top five quarterback doesn't mean that you have to deprive him of weapons. I mean, Joe Burrow has taken the leap that he's taken and done what he's done because of, because he's had T Higgins and Jamar Chase and, I mean, he's had a shoddy offensive line, but he's got guys that he can throw the ball up to consistently. And like that helped him rise to where he's at. It's just, it, it, I think you are starting to finally see the understanding that you don't have to just leave your quarterback out in an Island and say, go win us the game. You can, you yeah, can provide help. It. Yeah. 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 I, I, less and less teams seem like they're going the, you know, prove that you're worth this. And just saying, we're going to give you everything to prove that you're not worth it. And then, right. and then just seeing where the chips fall. Right. And then just before we jump into the NFL draft, uh, the Eagles signed Matt Patricia to come on as a defensive assistant, defensive, um, just a guy to help out, which, <laughs> I mean, just real quick, just when you think they're doing everything right, they do they throw a curveball at you and it's just like, why? Why? Like, what? What is he bringing to the table that you don't have there already? As as long as he doesn't enter, you know, the offensive room wing, whatever part of the building that is, just keep him away from the offense in all capacities. I'm okay with it. I still don't know why you want him for his defensive knowledge either. I guess he's had some successful defenses when he's been a part of the Patriots, but. Yeah, I don't go, and I don't, and you know, we already know Darius Slay doesn't like him. I like. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have, have to, to like, imagine they talk to Slay before this happened. I don't like. They you just would bring, hope so. They go through the hole. He's getting cut. And now he's back. Like, I'd be shocked if they didn't at least talk to him about like, hey, we might do this thing. <laughs> we think he might help. What do you think? <laughs> Hopefully, they do. They at least stay at opposite opposite ends of the building. Maybe a little, maybe as as little interaction as they can between the two is the best case scenario. 
Patricia is just going to be set in a corner. He can't see the offense, can't see Darius <laughs> Slay on the defense, but he can touch, touch everything else. It's okay. Take him back to being just like a film, a film jockey guy that just sits yeah. in just sits in an office and grinds film and doesn't interact with the players at all. Yep, exactly. But what we really wanted to get into today was Chris and I want to just kind of go over uh, some of our favorite draft props for um, next week. Just looking at some va- any places we can get value, things that we like, long shots that we like. Just you know, overall, just kind of go over some some of the props that are out there because you know Chris and I, Chris you and I were talking pre-show it's this next week it's probably going to look completely different every day almost i mean with each passing day you're going to get a little bit more clarity a little bit more of an idea of what who teams are leaning toward and i mean even though it it feels like this is one of the more uncertain drafts as far as which way it'll go we still are going to start to get some clarity on things and not like this weekend is the time to jump in on the draft prop market and kind of try and get inklings of an idea of where where people might go and grab some some of the longer odds before they start shooting up like Bryce Young did, you know, yeah. in the last week where you kind of got the official declaration and that number one pick and the first QB taken went from, you know, sitting around like plus 100, plus 125 to now Bryce Young's at like minus 1200 to be the first quarterback taken and things like that. So now's the time, like after, after this, I would definitely like this weekend, do your research, start, you know, looking in, find the, find the picks that you like, find the players that you like and start jumping on those before things start shifting heavily. Yeah. I think, uh, what Trayvon Walker last year, it was like a week or two weeks maybe before the draft. And he was still like a long shot favorite to go first overall. And then it basically the week of the draft, we all pretty much, I mean, there was like maybe a slight chance that it wasn't him, but it was, he was pretty much the heavy favorite at that point by the time we got to draft week. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, like you said, that's pretty much what seems like what's happened with Bryce Young. I mean, when a guy cancels all his pre-draft visits, I think, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of yeah. You know that he knows where he's going, and he's not. He's like, I'm not going to waste my time just yes. jumping on planes to fly back and forth across the country to go meet with right. people to, yeah. for for no reason whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, is there any shot that you would touch a, a number one pick guy other than Bryce Young at this point? Because obviously, like everybody's a long shot at this point. Probably not. I mean, it yeah. just, it's so yeah, far and away. I like, either. I, Anthony Richardson at plus 1500 to go number one. I think overall, like his props are fun to play with. He's got long mm-hmm. odds almost all over the board. But like, like other than that, like it seems like it's going to be Bryce Young, but grabbing a flyer at plus 1500, like, you know, there's a chance. There's a right. slight chance, at least from what everyone's saying. And this, who knows? It could be a Malik Willis light situation where all of a sudden he plummets and <laughs> oh, everybody no. everybody hates him and he just goes on the board. But I really don't see that happening. He's a completely different player. He's completely different in every aspect. And I don't anticipate him going from being talked about as like a top three pick to being a third round pick. I think that was kind of a special situation last year. But Grabbing him at plus fifteen hundred at the number one pick, it might be worth a flyer. I'm not. I still don't think it's going to happen. I think, like you said, Bryce Young not going to the team visits and all that is pretty telling. And I think that we can kind of like rest on that a little bit. Yep. What do you think? Is there, is there any way you're touching that at all? No, I. I mean, I've been uh, watching some of these like throughout the past month and a half or so, and and I've bet various QBs to go at different times at plus one. I think I think I'm pretty much done betting the number one pick at this point. I, it just it does seem like it's going to be Bryce Young, and I'd rather you know allocate resources to other spots that are still a little more uncertain. Yeah, but sticking with quarterbacks, are there any other quarterback props that you're looking at that you? Like whether it be, you know, first, second, third quarterback taken, certain teams picking a quarterback. Are there any that you're looking at that you that are really grabbing your eye? Uh, so I was looking this morning and I think I do. 
I'm starting to buy this. The Texans don't like any other QBs, but Young and Levis. Yeah. And I kind of like betting the uh, Levis to go second overall at plus 400. You can bet him to be the second QB, but that's only plus 100. And I've, I feel like, you know, the second QB is probably at the second pick, whether it's the Texans trading out or the Texans picking somebody. Yeah. It does. We've seen Peter Schrager now um, mock the Levis to the Texans at two. I've heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about that he's heard that the Texans do like Levis better than the other QBs. So, yeah, I kind of do like taking a shot on plus 400 at Levis to go number two overall. Yeah. Is there any team you're like, any team specifically that you that you think is going to jump up and take uh, Levis this year? Who like do you who do you think is going to take that risk? Because I think Levis is like the one guy Richardson people are torn on, but Levis more so than Richardson. It kind of feels like it's really all over the map on what teams think of him. I think it's got to be Houston that takes him. If I don't see a team, if a team's trading up, I think it's to leap the Colts for who they, whoever they think, whatever QB they like, Stroud or Richardson. Right. Um, but there's also like, I also don't really think the Cardinals want to pick at three. So it's like, dude, why jump to two when you could probably get to three for slightly right. cheaper. Right. So I, yeah, if, if Levis is at two, I'm, I feel like it's got to be um, the Texans taking him there. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that. I think it is a position for the Texans where it's like, it, like you can't just sit on the pot and keep going another year. I know the quarterback class next year looks great and everything, but mm-hmm. like with a, with a class like this and the talent that seems to be there, I don't think that you can, as a team that's in the position that they are, like how can you tell people that you're going to ride with Davis Mills for another mm-hmm. year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have a new head coach, you know, like you're trying to instill some hope from your fans. So, yeah, why why would you not have a, you know, hope, more hopeful QB at with you? And we've seen that, like I've heard, I know Brett's talked about maybe they could get Levis at 12. But, like, we've seen this um, multiple times now over the recent history where teams have multiple first-round picks and they need a QB. If, you're, if you like the guy at 12, you might as well just take him at 2. Yeah. Uh, the Giants did it with Daniel Jones. They had three and six that year, I think. Um, and they took Daniel Jones at three. They did it, or the Bills did it with Josh Allen. They took yep. him at like seven over 12 or something like that. I forget exactly what they were. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you like the QB, you take you secure him with the earlier pick and you just be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, another, going to, shifting to Anthony Richardson, I, I still like the, the plus seventeen hundred, I like plus seventeen hundred on DraftKings. I think I'm at, I saw him at plus two thousand on FanDuel for to be drafted by the Detroit Lions. I think that's another one that you know it it could come down to him not making it to the Lions, but at like I said at plus seventeen hundred plus two thousand, I think we've heard enough rumors around him to them that it would be again it's worth a flyer on it yeah i i liked the the lions to at plus a thousand to to take a qb first and you're yeah you're just taking it one step further and saying who that qb will be so yeah i i like that i like that long shot i mean they're in a range they're if they're smart they're they know they're not going to be bad enough to be in this range again hopefully for the next few years that's the goal obviously you might as well you might as well take your shot now while you while you can for a much cheaper cost than what it will be next year or the year after if you're too good. Yeah, yeah, because you I, like I think they know and everybody else knows that they're not going to be in the running, and nor are they going to want to try and make a play to be in the running for like the Drake May Caleb Williams sweepstakes that's inevitably going to jump off next year. Yep, I definitely agree with that. Um. Let's do a non QB one. I'll, I'll go back to my Eagles. Uh, I I like them to their. So you can do this two ways. I I think they're. I've heard a couple times from a couple of the major draft guys say that they think the Eagles are one of the teams that'll be aggressive in making a move in this in the first round. Yeah. I think they want to try to get up to draft Jalen Carter if he isn't going to fall to ten to them. 
So I think you can do, I, I've, I've looked at betting them. To, their first position is plus 200 on DraftKings to be a D lineman. And it, that's, that's a little bit safer because it doesn't have to be Carter. It could be Nolan Smith. Lucas Van Ness has been mocked to them a ton. Um, I feel pretty good about them definitely going O-line, D-line. And I, I think O-line and D-line are a little bit too far apart from each other in terms of odds right now. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you could, or you could just do them to draft Carter, which is at, uh, I looked at it earlier. There it is. Plus 500. So, you you know, you double your odds there if you think they do are aggressive and do try to trade up with like the Falcons at eight or something like that. If the Falcons, because the Falcons really like Nolan Smith. Yes. They've been mocked Bijan. They, they don't necessarily have to make that pick at eight. Yes. And that's Jalen Carter's one that, I think it's fine. It's turning for him. The narrative around him is turning. I know that, you know, not to always harp on the Detroit Lions, but I know he went and visited there this week and Holmes came came out, I think, like yesterday or it was either yesterday or um, Wednesday and basically said that they felt much better about him. And again, that's like take that with, you know, the Detroit Lions like him or you can take that as, hey, they're trying to, you know, push people to think that they that they like him and try to get someone to, like you said, maybe it's the Eagles that jump him or even like the Seattle Seahawks, a pick right before them. A team yep. that, you know, is a sim- is in a sim- similar position where they have two first-round draft picks. They're kind of settled at quarterback. And so, like, the draft, like, the draft could go any direction for them. And yeah, you know, Jalen Carter would be a guy that would fit – that would, you know, he's – I think he would fit in almost any system. He's that type of player. Yeah. And the Seahawks have been desperate for interior defensive line help for the last couple of years now. They've been kind of piece working their way through in the middle. And this would kind of solidify that position if they wanted it. Yeah, I think that's the 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 spots they'll be the Eagles will be watching. It's the Seahawks at five and the Lions at six. If he doesn't get picked at those two spots. I think that's where they start to be like, all right, we just basically have to jump the bears at this point. And Jalen Carter's he's plus two fifty to be a top five pick. So there's, there is some value there to, you know, again, go and grab that and, you know, look out for, like I said, the Seahawks to grab him at pick five, the, you know, like you said, two or pick three, is seems to be really up for grabs for anybody who wants to go up and get it. Not that I think that like any, I don't think anybody's jumping up to three to grab Carter, but it will pull it most likely will potentially pull off another quarterback or at least one of those that like will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, whoever, you know, ends up going first. I still think it's going to be will Anderson that goes before Tyree Wilson, but you know, it leaves an opening for Carter to jump into the top five because he, I mean, He's pretty consensus on a lot of people that he's the number one prospect in the NFL draft this year. Yeah, I was going to say, do you do you think there's any shot that he's the first non QB off the board? Uh, like, to do, or for him to go in the top five, the odds say that at least one of Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson would have to be off the board, if not both. And I, I think it's I think there's a chance. Again, it's like. If we didn't have the if what happened at his pro day didn't happen, I think that there's not even a question. Like I know that Edge obviously has more value in the terms of team building and all of that, but it, you know when you have a guy that's as good as he is, I, you almost have to just like go like go and get him, put him in your team, and just figure it out from there. I think the I think a lot of the doesn't try hard on plays doesn't you know, doesn't love football, all that narrative that seems to be kind of floating around him. I think it's kind of a little bit of BS. I think that, you know, he got into a sticky situation this year, which, you know, was unfortunate for everyone involved. And, but I still think that like when teams, when it comes down to it, teams have done their work. And I think that there's definitely a good chance that, you know, somebody in the top five looks at it and says, we're not going to get a better player than this. We need to just take him and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. It's yeah. That what happens with those first four picks is big for him. Cause yeah, he's definitely got the talent and maybe some team is willing to overlook hit all the, the red flags if they are even, I mean, who knows how that all end up shaking out. Right. Right. 
All right. And that, yeah. What What about jumping to um, like on the offense? Any running back props? I know Bijan's pretty much guaranteed. Like he's the first running back overall. But are there any yeah. team or running back props that you're looking at or potentially gonna dive in on? Um, I hate to say this, and I'm starting to get a little nervous. The Eagles might <laughs> do it. But Bijan at plus a thousand to the Eagles. I'm still like, there's no way they're doing it. But when like Daniel Jeremiah, he used to work for the Eagles. He's he's been saying he he thinks they're the Eagles view Bijan differently than other than what you know how they viewed running backs as a whole over the yeah. past few years. And I'm starting to get starting to make me a little nervous. Starting to make starting to make me a little nervous for uh, you know our friend Joe Dillon here at the company for this. his claim that he would jump <laughs> off the. Roof. The company Discord the last couple of days has been, uh, or at least with Joe, has been a little bit in yeah. shambles every time that yeah. any type of report or any type of like point to the Eagles taking him, he's he's going through it. I think that who knows this this next week might be the most stressful week for him, having to sit and watch all of that speculation continue to grow and grow for the Eagles to take Bijan. Yeah. So apparently in their, in their pre-draft visit with him, he, how he asked him, you know what, you know, why, why should we draft you at, at 10? And Bijan's answer was, you're not getting just a running back. You're getting a difference maker. That's, that's a, that's a big statement. Yeah, it is. Um, Scott Barrett put out um, the highest yards per target metric yeah, and for, and B, yeah, he was like, top five with other receivers like, out there yeah, yeah it was he was at like 10.4 yards per target and that you know that was top five up there with like jackson smith and jigba and some guys like that and so like the precedent is there that like a guy like this kind of transcends a little bit of the newer thinking of what what value running backs have. I mean, he definitely falls more into the like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley camp than he does just the top running back in the draft. Yeah. He, I mean, it would be awesome to watch him in an offense with Hertz, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard, but, and he probably easily would rush for a thousand yards behind the Eagles O line, but you just can't, you just can't, make him the like sixth or seventh highest paid running back from the day he's drafted. Like the outcome you, so you basically need him to, to be the, what the, the, like your, your margin for error is just so small. Like not only do you need it to be a hit, but you need it to be like a slam dunk. Yeah. That and like the Eagles, I mean, they've been trotting out this wide cast of characters at running back for, you know, in the last couple of years and kind of shown that, put anyone back there behind that offensive line and you're going to get some, you're going to get value out of them. And they yep. just signed Rashad Penny, a guy who if healthy, I mean, he could, he could absolutely explode behind that offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about uh, some O-line props? Uh, th- this one's pretty up in the air. I think still, I-, I don't think we know for sure what, what teams want to do with their, you know, how they view all these O-line guys. Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky seem like the favorites to go off the board first, but there's yeah. not a clear favorite between them. I I kind of like Darnell Wright is actually has longer odds to go be the second O-lineman off the board than he does to be the first one, which I find interesting. Like I could see one of Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky going off the board and then Darnell Wright being a guy that teams really like and taking a shot on him. Yeah, I think you're like you're looking at the Chicago Bears, pretty much as like the first team to to lean offensive line in this draft, and so it it comes down to who they like. And I, if going with like the hometown narrative, I mean, I still think they, I still think they lean Skaronsky. I mean, he's plus one forty, and I think that on a team that, or he's plus one forty to be the first offensive lineman selected. And I think on a team that is desperate for offensive line help, Skaronsky offers a little bit more versatility as an offensive lineman, as like you can play it, like just put him in and get him playing. 
kind of thing. Yeah. I think that I, I think I like him at plus 140 to be the first offensive lineman selected as opposed to Paris Johnson. But I do, I, that's a great call on Darnell Wright as a second offensive lineman selected. I think that the tape for him and like what he did against some of the best or some of the best defenses in the NCAA, I think that could hold some water for some teams, you know, having gone up against Will Anderson and done really well against him and gone up against Georgia and did really well against Georgia. And obviously those are teams that have two, three guys that are projected to go in the top half of the first round. Yeah. Um, and then so, the, I was going to say, what about tight end props just to kind of round off – just to kind of round off a little bit on the offense. I know tight end is an interesting position. It's a fun position this year. There's a lot of different guys that fit a lot of different flavors of teams. Are there any tight end uh, tight end props that you like right now? I did. Uh, I think you called this a while ago. I, I, and, you know, not directly betting it, but you said you thought there'd be more tight ends than wide receivers drafted in the first round. Yeah. I don't, I don't know for sure if that's happening, but I did bet that more than two tight ends, two and a half tight ends would be drafted in the first round. I think Mayer and Kincaid are locks, and I think there's a pretty good chance Darnell Washington goes in the first round as well. I think so too. I think Darnell Washington, his ability to be an inline blocker has a lot of value and into what tight ends are right yep. now. There aren't a lot of guys that can really – dive in in line and be an asset on the offensive line. And I think teams will value that, that ability as well as the upside of his, his upside as an offensive weapon. I mean, he didn't show it a ton at Georgia. Granted, they have, you know, they're littered with, with weapons on that offense. And so like, you know, part of it is that he has Bowers ahead of him or he had Bowers ahead of him in Georgia. I think that teams are going to like his, upside as a weapon as well as his ability to just be an asset on the offensive line right away yeah i yeah it's still it's still gonna be tough for only that would be only two wide receivers but i'm i mean i've seen zay flowers left out of the first round i've seen quentin johnson left out of the first round in mocks i've seen hyatt definitely gets left out a lot at this point um, it does seem like Addison and JSN are probably the two that definitely do go. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit up in the air for that third one. Yeah. And speaking of Quentin Johnson, I mean, he's, I mean, leading up until about a month ago, a couple weeks ago, he was consistently the, you know, n- number one wide receiver in the class. And now he has like first wide receiver selected, which I think, it leans toward JSN now. I think that like mm-hmm. in, in the, in the odds show that he's minus three fifty to be the first wide receiver selected, but second wide receiver selected Quentin Johnson's at plus 500. And yeah. I mean, yeah, it's surprising to me. I, he's got just a different build than every other receiver in this class or yeah. among the top guys anyway. Yeah. I mean, every other wide receiver is that short burner, you know, like just a smaller stature guy. And I think that a lot of like teams still like the big, tall run, like a deer type guy. And that's what Quentin Johnson offers. If you can get him into an offense that can offer yak opportunities, that's where his value is. And I think that again, teams, teams might value that over a guy like Addison and Zay flowers who, you know, are great players, but it's just the, the size thing has to be a bit of a concern. I mean, if you're going to want these guys going over the middle, they're, yeah, if, you know, they're if you're, 170, 180 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. If you're like the Giants, how can you convince me that Zay Flowers or Addison is the best wide receiver for you? And you've got Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard. All these guys are best out of the slot. And then you're right. going to add Zay Flowers or Addison who are, Similar, like a Quentin Johnson is just such a more difference maker for what your team makeup is right now. Right, right. And I feel like you could say that about a lot of the perceived wide receiver teams. Um, trying to think. So the Vikings, for example. I, I think Addison also could work for the Vikings, but, you know, Osborne is definitely best in the slot. Out of, and, and they use Jefferson in the slot already. Yep. 
So an outside guy would just be better. I, I think that's why there's still a chance a guy like Hyatt is not like totally out of the first round just because teams want that, you know, Hyatt definitely would be, be probably good in the slot, but at least he could also be a burner for you on the outside. Yeah, I don't think NFL teams will ever learn their lesson when it comes to speed at receiver. Not that Hyatt's going to be like anything Only like a speed guy. Guys, yeah. yeah, exactly. Jalen Rager. But, <laughs> Jalen Rager, Darius Hayward Bay, who's like the, yeah. the poster boy for this. But I think, yeah, like the speed and his just ability to stretch the field. I mean, a team like the Chargers would be a team that like potentially could go after a guy like that. I mean, we've, they need speed so bad. Uh, yeah, we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point yeah. with the Chargers about how they have nobody to stretch the field. And a guy like, you know, like even Quentin Johnson or uh, Jalen Hyatt is a guy that steps in and kind of offers that ability to stretch the field right away. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple so like teams to draft Quentin Johnson. Like the Chargers are at plus 1,400. The... Giants are plus a thousand. The favorite is the Vikings at plus seven hundred. I brought them up earlier. Yeah, the Ravens make sense for him. Yeah, there. It does seem like one of the all of those teams should be in the market for more of a guy that can bring some speed element to you. Whether it's a guy like Johnson or even faster guy like Hyatt. Yeah. All right. You let's shift to the defensive side of the ball. What is like all of the defense? I mean, we talked about obviously Jalen Carter a little bit, but outside of that, are there any positions or players that you're looking at that you know are jumping out to you as values on the values on the board as like you know an ability to make some money? Yeah, uh, so I bet Devin Witherspoon to be the first cornerback a while ago. He's now the favorite. I think I bet him back when he was like plus three hundred. It. It wasn't that I thought for sure that Witherspoon was better and should go before Gonzalez. It was just like I thought they should be close to 50-50. And now they're – I mean, I'm curious if it will get even more spread where Gonzalez becomes more of a, a favorite, where he becomes interesting. Because I, I personally think teams are pretty split on what which one of these guys fits in their defense and right. whatnot. I think they're both very good. Yeah, I, I think it should be basically 50-50 for these guys. So I'll be watching that Gonzalez number to see if it gets – you know, up to plus 200, 250, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's sitting right now, first quarter at plus 170. And so that, like you said, that could be shifted in it at any point because, yeah, the it's just – it all depends on who takes the quarterback. Right. Yeah, like would it shock us if – you know, it does seem like the Lions like Witherspoon the best, but like would it shock us if Seattle took Gonzalez or – or the Cardinals didn't couldn't move from three and took a corner at three. Like it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Right. And I think Gonzalez fits a little bit more in those, those systems than, you know, than Witherspoon would. Right. Especially in Seattle, if Seattle went corner, I think Gonzalez would be a perfect fit there because the one, one of the big knocks on him is his ability to contribute in the run game as a, as a run defender. And I think that in Seattle, they, they protect their corners pretty well from having to participate in in you know blowing up the run at all, and so that's a like that's a, a great call as a team that could potentially go up like you know if if they don't like Jalen Carter, they're not sold on Jalen Carter, and you know Will Anderson's there, and they're not sold on Tyree Wilson. That's that Christian Gonzalez is going to be right there for him. Is there any teams that you think are sneaky? cornerback landing spots doesn't have to be it could be you know joey porter landing somewhere or you know deontay banks or something later in the draft that the it's all over the place i i do like um joey porter to go top 20 i still think that he's a guy that hasn't been talked about i feel like he's gotten just pushed back completely i mean i have heard nothing about him but i, I still I think he's pretty much always mocked in the 16, 17, 18 range. And it's just like, it's just like guaranteed, like people just seem to continue to mock him there with no discussion of him going higher or, or lower or whatever. Right. And 
you know, like the Pittsburgh Steelers are plus 110 to go cornerback. To go I still think at plus money or cornerback, that's at plus money. That's still a good team because they, you know, they brought in Patrick Peterson, but, you know, he's just a, a filler at this right. point. Like he's not, you know, the long term starter. And so that's a team that, yeah, plus money you could go and get. And I think that they're a team that needs help in the defensive backfield. Um, Another team is like the Jaguars at plus 120. They're another team that, you know, they actually just had <clears> – <throat> they just had one of their guys get in trouble uh, legally. It was um, – I forget. I forget his, I forget the name of the player, but it's another team that needs help in the defensive backfield. And they're a team that could go and grab corner in a class that has so much depth at the position and has, you know, I mean, we've seen anywhere from five to six – cornerbacks mocked in the first round yep yeah i think there's gonna be good landing spots for corners that you know we're not totally that don't seem totally obvious right now yeah like the giants at plus 200 to go that's why i was just i was just looking teams, at that yeah, one. team's first drafted player giants are at plus 200 for a cornerback yeah. i mean it does seem like wide receiver but like they they did add a ton of wide receivers in free agency um well really just they added Paris Campbell, and then you got Wandale, and Slayton came back. Shepard's coming back. Like, they could pass on wide receiver in the first round and go corner. Yeah, exactly. If they don't, if they're not in love with anybody up there, corner is probably the safe, you know, safer, as safe as mm-hmm. it can be in the NFL draft. This is a safer position where you can get a guy that's ready, con- ready to contribute right away. And we yep. kind of talked about it earlier. Not a lot of those guys, not a lot of the receivers that are, you know, slated to be taken potentially in the first round even fit into the Giants system right now. Right. Yep. I think Tampa Bay is another interesting one in a scenario where a Gonzalez does fall, like Witherspoon goes early and Gonzalez just doesn't quite find a match in the in the first, you know, the top ten. Yeah. Tampa Bay is like plus seven hundred. They they just need bodies. Uh, you know, they they just need good players. So that would be a, a nice landing spot for them. Yeah. Um, another one that's that I think is fun. This is, I mean, just I was, I'm just searching around, but the Packers to select a tight end with their first pick is that plus money? Plus two fifty. They're actually the uh, shortest odds is defensive lineman at plus one fifty for them. That's surprising because I feel like I almost always see them mocked a tight end. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go and take a look at it just because, like I said, it feels like tight end is the, you know, potential home run position of yeah. what they'll go to. And I'm trying yeah, to think of what D linemen they would really be interested in in that range. Like, I haven't seen many mocks. So we think Carter, Anderson, Wilson will be off the board. Um, yeah. And then Nolan Smith, maybe. And then yeah. there's kind of like a gap in, in, D lineman edge town until you get to like the the back half of the draft. I feel like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because then you get into like I don't know Van S Murphy. Oh Van S, I did forget Murphy. I guess would is is an option potentially for them. Like those are really the other two because you know Will McDonald has some long odds. He's a guy that could potentially sneak into the first round. I think who. I saw someone on Twitter. I can't fully remember. I'd have to go back and pull it up. But like someone asked the question, like, why isn't Will McDonald even being talked about as like edge two? Yeah. And that was from like, I I wish I could remember who it was, but like he's another guy that could sneak up there and potentially make a play in the first round as a uh, defensive lineman. But again, it like Van S, Murphy, McDonald, a lot of these guys they have their question marks, whether it's age, whether it's production. I mean, Van Essett's being totally green and not even starting last year. I mean, again, tight end is a position where there are two to three guys that are very firmly the top guys and are very firmly being regarded as guys that can come in and contribute right away. And the Packers are a team that I think – It'll be interesting to see what they think of themselves this year, but they're a team that I think is still going to just go out and play as if they're competing. I think they're still they're sold on Jordan Love as a player going forward, and 
you know, they're going to do what they never did for Aaron Rodgers, and that's potentially get Jordan Love a weapon, which I think would be a, a hilarious slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers through that, unfortunately, because <laughs> the first, like, I mean, he's not traded yet, but you know, all signs point to him not playing in Green Bay, and it'd be really funny for them to go and get him a weapon right away or get get Jordan Love a weapon right away in the first round as opposed to have never done it with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they they uh, that would be funny if they did draft a receiver or and a tight end. I yeah, I definitely do like them potentially taking a Kincaid or Michael Mayer at that spot in the first round. Yeah, and I think uh, Kincaid fits what that team likes, what the Green Bay Packers like at tight end. Yes, yeah, he's Him, a, you know an athletic guy that can kind of stretch the field. You know, they still they do still have Mercedes Lewis, right? Yeah, and isn't Tunyon still there as well? Yeah, and so those are guys that can contribute in the run game, so I don't think they need – like Mercedes Lewis is their you know sixth offensive lineman at this point. Yep. I think that they, they don't necessarily need a guy that can jump in, in line and be that much of an asset. I think Kincaid is you know more of a weapon with the ball, and that's a, you know, a player that they could lean toward – and take and which, which like I said, Kincaid would be plus one is plus one twenty to be the first tight end selected. So again, plus money there for a position in a team that, you know, it looks like he could be a fit there. Yep. Yeah, I agree with all that. What do you what do you think about linebacker? You think one goes in the first round, or you think we're uh waiting for Jack Campbell, Drew Sanders in on day two? I I don't think there's any way a linebacker sneaks into the first round. I don't know. The Bills, they've been taught, the Bills have been, sounds like the Bills might be interested in one, which I think I'm just totally out on the Bills if they do that because we've talked numerous times about their team building philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, that, like, and it, off ball linebacker, it's just, it's the, it, we've talked about it, you know, repetitively. It's the running back of the defense. It's a guy that, like, just get someone in there that, isn't a minus and you know there's a lot of guys that you can you know back into the draft third fourth mid rounds like you can take flyers i mean you've seen guys that have been taken in those positions who have come up and you know been contributors on a lot of defenses like why i i like i think that you know there's some interesting guys at linebacker in this draft but none that i think are worthy of jumping up into the first round yeah, I I don't see another team other than the Bills that really would take that jump in the back half of the first round. But they have definitely there's definitely been smoke about them being interested in a linebacker potentially, and I just think that would be such a terrible move for a team that just just keeps losing to offensive firepower in the in these AFC Championship games. Right. And, you know, they are plus 250 right now for a linebacker to be their first player selected. So, again, there's plus money there. Defensive lineman is just ahead ahead for them at plus 200. And so, like you said, I mean, the board is showing that they could be deciding between the two. Yeah. All right. Any – we've pretty much walked through every position. Uh, There's not much in terms of, like – a day two option bets other than some of these, some of the running, I think Jameer Gibbs, you can bet where he would land. Uh, I feel, I, do you think Gibbs has any shot of going on day one? I think there, I mean, there's a chance, I think with the Cowboys, I think we've heard a little <laughs> bit of smoke with that and the Cowboys are going to do what the Cowboys are going to do. And, you know, I, don't like what they've said and they pointed to that. They don't want to just ride Tony Pollard and Jerry Jones loves himself a good running back. And so I think like there absolutely is a chance at, you know, 26 that the Cowboys and, you know, we we've talked about that the back end of the draft is kind of up in the air. There aren't a ton of first round prospects and it really, once you get to the back end of the draft, it kind of gets to, you know, where do you, who who do you like the most? It's not necessarily 
they're the best player available. It's going to be a little bit, you know, up in the air on who's the best player available. And I think that the Cowboys at plus 900 to select Jameer Gibbs, he's a guy that fits what they do and fits what they like in a running back. All right. Here's the scenario. Bijan is still on the board at 26 and all the tight ends are still on the board at 26. Which position do the Cowboys draft? I think they go. I think they would go tight end. Really, they'd pass on Bijan. I, I think they. Yeah, I still think they'd go tight end. I just don't trust the Cowboys to make the right decision in the draft. Unfortunately, oh, I think tight end. I think tight end's the right decision over a running back. I know, especially the problem with Gibbs is he's so similar to Pollard. Like True. at least at least Zeke was you know like different and Bijan would be different. I don't I don't know if Bijan makes it all the way to twenty six, but yeah I I I I know I've heard that the the Cowboys don't want to let like if Mayer slips to them at twenty six, like he wouldn't fall any farther than that. Right, right. I have to imagine Kincaid would also fall into that bucket, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I would imagine I like Kincaid's the one that I would be looking at as the Cowboys potentially selecting. I think that that's one of, it's one of those draft fit, like those fits that you just see. And it just like makes so much sense. Right. I think like, especially after losing Dalton Schultz, I think that, and they don't, you know, they've taken it. They've used a couple draft picks, but they've been mid round picks on guys that are on the roster right now. Kincaid yeah. They're good role the, players. Yeah. Right. Kincaid would be the guy to jump in and be, you know, take over that Dalton Schultz slot right away. Yep. Yeah, it's a big part of their offense. So I, I definitely do hope they add a more talented tight end than what they currently have on the roster. Let's uh, let's go back to quarterback real quick because we we didn't really talk about him. What do you think about either over four and a half QBs to go to go in the first round slash Hendon Hooker landing spot? That is one that I cannot make my mind up on. My <laughs> gut leans that he's not taken in the first really i the more and more i think about it my gut says he's not taken in the first i think i think the age thing is going to scare teams off enough see i think i'm leaning towards yes because like you said a couple times the there's not a lot of like first round grades in this class yeah so when you get to like the Vikings at 23, like, and they're sitting there going, Oh, all our first round graded guys are off the board. We're kind of into that next tier. Do we just take a quarterback? We kind of, I mean, it depends how much they like him, but right. if they like him, why not take him there instead of some other positional guy that you have a day two grade on anyway. And Vikings quarterbacks, the third shortest odds for them for their first drafted player. It's plus 400 right now. Yeah, they're they're plus three fifty to draft Hooker. The next closest team is the Seahawks at plus nine hundred. That's a that's a pretty big gap. The the betting markets do seem pretty pretty interested in having and saying Hooker. We think Hooker is most likely to land in Minnesota. Yeah. So do you think potentially that like Seattle at twenty, Minnesota at twenty three, is that where you think Hendon Hooker goes? What do you think about the Lions at eighteen? It's it's another interesting one. If they pass on a quarterback at six, I just, it's one, I fall back on that. Like you said at the beginning of the show, like if you have a guy that you like, you take him at the top. And so, you, so if they liked Hooker enough, you think they take him at six? No, I think that if they're going to take a quarterback, they'd take one of the, like probably one of the top four guys that they really okay. like. I don't know if they, I don't know if they'd sit back and at 18, because I, there, I don't think there's really a threat to lose him, you know. Before I don't think that. Yeah, and I don't like it. I, it just wouldn't make sense, in my in my opinion, for them to go Hooker at 18 when there's going to be a lot of guys that can contribute on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know. I think if they're going to go quarterback, it's going to be six. And I, just, I don't think that Hooker's going at six. Yeah, no, I would be surprised by that. Yeah, that that was they were just a team that was interesting at plus eleven hundred. That's kind of in that back range that could be interested in a QB. There's not 
I mean, other than the Vikings, I guess the Seahawks could, what, they have 20? So it makes sense for yeah, them to be potentially 20. interested in that range. Uh, what about, like, the Saints at plus 1,500, I think, is kind of interesting at 29. Like, I don't, I don't know how much they believe, like, Derek Carr is, you know, a long-term answer. Yeah. Oh, but like you said, Hooker's older. Like, you have to have a soonish time horizon if you're drafting him of when he could be your starter, if you're right. drafting like, him in the first round. Right. Like, if he's if you're taking him, I you're taking him with the idea that I think that he's starting probably, you know, not necessarily this season, but probably next season because at, at that worst, point, yeah. at that point, he'll be, what, 26? Right. Yeah. So, not that age is the biggest thing for QBs, but it's definitely, you know, he definitely is older. Right. And, you know, for the more athletic quarterbacks, you've seen kind of a shorter lifespan on them. And so, yeah, I like I agree that age is not as critical at quarterback because guys can guys can kind of develop their game, especially like the athletic guys that maybe use their legs a little bit more. They start to, you know, refine their passing chops and, you know, their arm becomes more of a weapon than their legs. But I mean, at, tw- at 26 and the mileage that he has on him, it, it's, you know, it, it he needs to be a guy that you feel confident that he's going to step in pretty soon because, mm-hmm. you know, second contract comes around. He's already close. To, he's, he's already almost 30. If you pick up his fifth yep. year option, he is 30. Yep. Yeah, that's – yeah, I don't see – so it does seem like Minnesota, Seattle are, are like his two potential first round landing spots. And I don't, I don't really feel strongly about any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus 1100 to the lions, I th- it would be interesting. Like, again, it's a draft that could go in so many different directions. I like can't emphasize it enough and you never know. They, you know, Jared Goff is there kind of holding the spot. It's, you know, we've heard they love him, you've heard, but, you know, Hooker's a guy that even if you take a chance on him and if he doesn't work out, you had two, two first-round draft picks and you're hoping that the team infrastructure is great and, you know, maybe he becomes a bust. But if, he do, if you're able to develop him and turn him into, you know, one of the top two, three quarterbacks out of this draft, it, like the value's there at 18. Yeah. All right. I got one last one that I think is interesting and just interesting for how the draft could play out as a whole. I feel like we've heard all kinds of things about the Titans and what they want to do, them potentially trading up. So the offensive line is minus 115 for their first position, which I think makes sense. Yeah. What do you think happens? Like, I don't, we don't know if they like all the O linemen. Maybe they only like two of them. Let's say they're the, the guys they like are off the board. Or they tried to trade it. Like, what do you think the Titans do in this draft? Because they feel like a pretty pivotal piece to how the you know the top ten could lay out, especially if they are really trying to trade up, like we've heard they are. Yeah i I think the trading up has a lot of merit to it. I mean, Tannehill's getting older, and Vrabel's shown time and time again that his team's never going to tank. You know, like they like because that's the big issue is if you don't take a quarterback this year, if you're a quarterback needy team, you're gunning to get there next year. But there are some there are a couple of teams out there that are pretty short on talent and it's looking like it could be a long year for them. Do you like does Tennessee trust themselves to be the, you know, one of the top picks next year? And I, like, like I said, I don't think Vrabel's ever going to let that happen. I like the Titans to trade up and take a quarterback and there it's plus 115 for them to take a quarterback as their first player and I I think it makes a ton of sense cuz they're another team that fits in with you know Detroit and um Seattle as you know teams that have a guy there who can play this year who can be a you know, a decent quarterback this year and then let the guy develop behind him. Yep. Yeah. I think they're really interesting. I mean, them making a trade up would really, I feel like throw the top end 
to top 10 all all out of whack and you, you know that's really where the draft starts to go off the rails of what people expect to happen right do you um because like the i feel like the draft it starts at you know we've got carolina quarterback houston could go but like arizona's that spot where anything could happen yeah like i we, don't think arizona wants to make a pick at three i <laughs> i think they want to get out yeah of that spot and like they, they're even a team that like, what if, you know, let's say you've got a couple teams vying for one of the quarterbacks and let's say like Indianapolis jumps up from three to four and then, you know, like Tennessee wants to jump up and get like one of those guys and they jump up to four and now Arizona's, you know, diving back twice. <laughs> like, I think that's a real possibility because yeah. like you said, Arizona's in such a weird spot with their team having Kyler at quarterback and having paid him, but just needing anybody, anybody that can come in and contribute. And I think that their best bet is to just accumulate draft picks as much as they can give themselves as many swings at the plate as they can. And I think they're going to take any and all opportunities to move back and just, you know, potentially have six, you know, five, six picks in that, you know, back end to the, you know, back into the first round to, or mid first round to the, you know, 100 spot. Like they're going to want as many swings at that as they can. And I think that, like you said, there are like with the quarterbacks that are there, there is a potential for like Indy to want to jump someone and move up to three. There's a chance that Tennessee wants to move up and even Las Vegas could potentially move up. Like there's a lot of teams that could try and position themselves and Arizona's in the perfect spot to kind of get out of there. Yeah, if they're uh, if they get a call from Tennessee and all they got to do is say, "Hey, Colts, your division mate uh, offered us this to go here. Right. What are you going to do about it?" And right. Colts, I mean, you're not going to if they like if they like a guy, they're not going to let their division rival just jump up, jump ahead of them if they if they can. Uh, so yeah, maybe you know, yeah, maybe they do get the Colts to bite and jump to three, and then then they go back to saying, "Say, hey, what about you on four? Because we got the Seahawks <laughs> behind us, the Lions behind us, the Raiders right. behind." Right. And then, yeah, that's how it could play out. Yeah, I I mean, overall, it's just, it's, I can't, I'm so excited. I've, I'm actually looking at Tankathon and they've got the like official countdown down to the seconds and it's six <laughs> days, nine hours. And it it's exciting. I'm excited to, like you said, get more talking points, get guys in position so we can really start, you know, grinding fits and, looking at, you know, fantasy value and just, you know, team fit values and start projecting, you know, where teams are going to finish this year. It's we're reaching the point where it's, you know, we're at least going to get another month and a half, two months of runway to get us, you know, leading up to training camp, the draft, like we're ready for it. Yep. Yeah. With that said, um, fantasy do tune in to the fantasy points youtube next thursday brett and scott barrett are going to be live streaming through the whole first round they're going to have various guests on throughout the night yep um i have not heard about day two yet but we might try to do something as well for that night so yeah we'll be uh covering the draft in pretty much all kinds of ways and yeah just be sure you're tuning in yeah and especially if you want to tune in and listen to brett and scott really get into it between each other about who they like and who they don't. Cause they're both very, very strong headed guys that like that, you know, they stand pat on their guys. And so I think you'll get a lot of fun discourse. And like you said, a lot of, it'll be a rotate rotating cast of characters that are going to hop in and contribute throughout the first round. And you'll get a lot of, a lot of different insights into, you know, different, you know, different thought processes, different guys that back different teams. It'll be fun to, you know, kind of, it'll be fun to watch that and just get an idea of what, you know, an early look at like what they think of guys at certain positions and guys on certain teams. Yep. My, my one lock draft prediction is we get to no later than pick two before Brett is yelling at Scott about to watch the film on somebody that Scott says sucks or something. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, shoot, we could give, I mean, pick one. Who knows? If, you know, all it takes is Carolina to throw a curveball at us and not yeah. go Bryce Young, and all of a sudden that it, it's going to take off. Yeah. All right. I think that that wraps up this episode. Then. Yes. Um, as always, you know, subscribe, like, 
continue to review the podcast, go check out Fantasy Points. We have articles coming out every single day from a ton of different contributors. Take a look at our social media feeds. We just got a new uh, social media director or content director in there. So we're going to have a lot of exciting, fun things coming out as far as videos and articles and all that. So, you know, please, now is the time before the draft to really get get in and start reading a bunch of these guys that, you know, will help you, you know, it will help you get an idea of how to, you know, pick your fantasy team this year and look at things like that. So with that, Chris, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.